Welcome everyone. This is all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast 169, recording this on the 10th of February 2016. I have Rafe Blanford with me at last. Hello everybody. Yes, I'm sorry I've been absent for the last few weeks. Uh, a few work commitments and a bit of travel has made it hard to connect with Steve over Skype to get the podcast recording. Uh, but we've had some very able guest lots, so thank you very much uh, for that. Um, uh, Neil Gilroy, I just remembered the name just in time. So thank you, Neil, for stepping into the breach, especially as that was uh, very last minute. And it was great to get alternative perspective. I suspect we might have to do it in another week or two when I'm at MWC. So look out for another uh, guest spot coming soon. Of course, if you'd like to volunteer for one of those, I'm sure Steve will be delighted to hear from you. Otherwise, he'll have to twist someone else's arm or press gangland into it. Uh, so yes, apologies for me, but I'm going to do a bit of a catch up this week and talk about some of the things I've been doing while I've been away, as well as, of course, all the usual Windows 10 mobile, Windows phone roundup of what's been going on. Yeah, a press ganging. You've, you've sussed my recruitment techniques. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surrounded, Rafe, by, uh, as ever, when we do a podcast recording, by devices with spinning cogs. Because about an hour before we recorded this, uh, Windows 10 Mobile Insider what, build 10586.107 was released. And the interesting, interesting thing here is not that they fixed a few more bugs. They've got closer to a, a release that they can be fully happy with. But, Rafe, that there are no, there's now an extra ring. So... Um, in the past, we had the fast ring, the slow ring, and well, you know, production's data. So we've now got fast ring, slow ring, and release preview ring. And I, well, this is my read on it, Rafe. So I'll just give you my theory, and you can give me your take. I think what they're doing is they're preparing to take the native Windows 10 mobile devices, i.e. the 550, the 950, 950XL, off onto the uh, Windows 10 Redstone branch, i.e. the whole next generation of Windows 10, um, and that the fast string will take the Windows 10 Mobile insiders uh, off on that branch, i.e. you really will be using next generation code and all sorts of amazingly crazy things might happen. The release preview ring is kind of what the, the old fast ring used to be. It's the very latest patches for your current branch, which is the, in this case, is Windows 10 Mobile 10586, which is now pretty stable. So you'll get the very latest, latest patches for those, but you won't be on the very next next-gen branch. And of course, the slow ring is for people, old fuddy daddies keeping up at the back. <laughs> Does that sound about right? I, I think that's right. I mean, it's essentially... Microsoft said when going to Windows 10 Mobile that kind of these big bang software updates would be a, a thing of the past, you know, and it's not that you're presumably the name may get changed at some point, but the same thing's happening on the desktop. And we've had these kind of fairly major software updates, which don't necessarily get talked about as, you know, Windows 9 or uh, Windows 10 or Windows 11 or whatever it happens to be. And yes, you've made reference to uh, Redstone there. That hasn't actually happened quite yet, but that is going to be effectively, I would describe it as uh, Windows Mobile 11 and then threshold which is essentially what we're on now so yes you're quite right to say this it's all kinds of bits of terminology but yeah so as as steve was saying that there's effectively four of these rings or four of these kind of update paths that you can be on there's there's fast which as steve described the highest risk and that's the new thing i'd kind of if i was explaining it in layman's term that it's uh windows 11 for mobile um, you can't call it that, of course, but no. we know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, and as I was sort of saying, Microsoft is doing away with those names, so it's, but kind of that's what it is, really. And it's what the Insiders program, I guess, was originally intended to be about. You've kind of got the release preview, which is the latest version or the 
if you like, the stable version, Windows 10 for mobile, with all the latest uh, patches and code. And then you've kind of got Slow Ring, which is, you know, the beta or the kind of preview version of uh, Windows 10 for mobile. And that's the one I think is pretty safe for everybody to be on. And then, of course, you know, production, which is what you get when you get the device out of the box if you're not doing anything in the insider program. Uh, It does make it quite complex, but at the same time, I think in the past I said I really admire that Microsoft has done this. It's kind of letting you have whatever version you want. It's much more as has happened in the desktop world. And, you know, certainly compared to some of the other platforms, you don't get that flexibility and that choice. And so Microsoft deserves credit for this, but it's also a very necessary thing given that they're kind of moving to this almost stream of continuous software updates. And this is a way, of course, that allows them to do wider testing. Um, as a consumer, you probably need to think about which one you're willing to go for. I don't know about you, Steve, but I would say I would put a test device on fast, you know, the kind of big risk. I wouldn't put my main device on that. And so if you're lucky enough to have a couple of devices, that's great. I'll, I'll probably be fairly happy going for release preview. I'm um, certainly at the moment um, when it's, you know, Windows 10 for mobile is quite stable. If you're a bit risk averse, you know, slow will be fine for you. I'd certainly advocate anyone listening to this podcast should be on that rather than production. Um, I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, I've looked at some of the stats from the likes of Ad Duplex and also a couple of other sources saying that a surprising number of people have been on the insider program, you know, as, as much as 10%, which um, sounds like a lot, but of course that still means the majority of people are on what's being referred to as production in this podcast. Um, but I suspect the number of people that will go on fast and live on the edge will be relatively low. It does bring to mind the kind of the memories of, you know, early autumn where we were testing out the insider program and the releases of Windows 10 mobile. And it was pretty, uh, pretty shocking back then in terms of trying to use it on a day to day device. It was definitely something you played about with on a, on a test device. Um, would you agree with that, Steve? I mean, would, what one are you going to, what one do you think you'll be running on your main device? Yeah, of course you nailed it. I mean, most of people, um, certainly in the, the the tech sphere, who have got multiple devices, uh, kindly loaned from various sources, will have one of them on the fast ring just so we can see the the absolute latest of, and we can report back on it, of course, for all about WindowsPhone.com. But uh, my personal advice will be on the release preview, which is effectively, as I say, the old fast ring. You get the latest patches and stuff for the current stable version without the whole phone crashing every single day and just generally driving you up the wall. I think being on the slow ring is a bit too far. I mentioned the production ring in the story because that's important because at the moment, that's the only way to get the device-specific firmware updates, which do happen every, not very often, but every few months. Certainly for the 950, 950XL have been quite new. They're getting a couple of those. And there is one of those we're still expecting, certainly in Europe, um, for the European devices. So I would advise anyone with one of the new devices just to jump back onto production for a couple, for a day or so, once a, once a week or once a month, just in case they can pick up that firmware and then go back onto whichever ring they're happiest. So it's a bit of hopping around, but uh, you can... The, the the wave of these operating system releases and have quite done i'd say yeah and i think that's it's good advice actually on the device specific stuff if you're not that bothered about experimenting with the newer stuff and you're quite happy reading about it on a site like all about windows phone actually maybe stay on production but there are a few things i mean we've talked about in the past fixes for things like netflix that have sometimes appeared more quickly on these uh, faster ring or the release preview and things like that uh, you know, I've had one person comment to me that it kind of muddies the water and make things a bit confusing. I think the thing to bear in mind is the vast majority of people um, who are kind of on the high street using Windows Phone are actually just going to be on the production release. They're not going to experiment with it. Um, I, I think Microsoft gets the points for allowing you to have this option. It's, you know, it seems churlish to complain about that 
flexibility and that choice when before you know it would go yeah. months between updates and you didn't have it so i think at the same time i, I guess um, i would say use the insider program responsibly particularly if you've just got a single device i find it hard to be sympathetic to anyone who complains about their battery running out in four hours when they've decided to put it right on the bleeding edge um that's <laughs> that's just just the way it is and microsoft are very clear in the way they communicate it when they post to the blog or when they talk about it in their social channels so you know i i, I don't really think they've got any any leg to stand on to complain about you know problems with the inside program it, it's only been a good thing for windows phone users yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to a feature I wrote about a week or so ago. Um, I was looking at the Lumi 950 versus the 950XL, and I called it my two-month verdict because it's basically been two months since we first had these devices in retail form and did the original reviews. Um, I have to say, Rafe, my, my first hands-on two months ago, my, I instinctively gravitated towards the 950 because it felt more familiar in the hand, the form factor, it felt more solid. It was the one I felt you didn't really compromise on the specs, and yet you had every, that's those same func- functions and specs within a smaller form factor. I then went kind of 950XL-ish because I'd been enjoying media playback and uh, comparing it with some of the Android flagships. But two months on, I've I've kind of gone back to the 950, and I did try to justify it in my article, and I'd be welcome your feedback, having also tried both. But uh, um Yes, the 950XL gets you the FM tuner and the Gorilla Glass 4, but there are some critical things that the, the 950 gives me. And of course, there's the one, the fact you can hold it securely in one hand and wrap your fingers around it. That's obvious. There's also things like the, the, the speaker. Now, I, this wasn't immediately apparent. If you just listen to either speaker on their own, they don't sound fantastic. They don't sound awful either, perhaps a bit shrill. But if you put the 950 uh, playing exactly the same uh, music track or podcast against the 950XL as I did in my little bit embedded video there, it's very evident that one, the 950 has a much fuller uh, range of frequencies. The 950XL really is quite disappointing. Uh, and as I listen to so many podcasts and and uh, sat and have instructions and speakerphone calls, all of that sort of stuff. I use the speaker on my phone an awful lot. That's just one more reason really to push me back to the device that I secretly wanted to like more in the first place, which was the, the 950. And I know you've probably been backwards and forwards a few times as well. So where do you stand on the 950XL debate? Uh, it, it's a tricky one because, so, you know, the, the 950XL on paper is a better device. You look at, it, it's not just things like the screen size, and there's a couple of things in the specs there in terms of, um, you know, Gorilla Glass 4, the, the battery having a higher capacity, uh, the slightly better processor. I have to say, of those, um, the one that sort of I, I thought might be interesting was Gorilla Glass 4, but honestly, I can't really tell the difference in that they both seem to still still be able to scratch them if you're trying hard. And I've seen a couple of evidence of that <laughs> on other it. people's devices. I haven't yet done it to the ones I've had my hands on. And, you know, the processor actually, you kind of expect it to be a, a bigger deal than, than it is. But uh, I think this is actually because the processor wasn't as big an upgrade as you might think it was. I mean, it was big for uh, Windows 10 Mobile or for Windows Phone devices because it was actually quite a big generational step. But um, if you look around the smartphone uh, world, the 808 and uh, the sort of 810, they're both kind of in-between devices. They're more on the top rather than the tick when uh, we talk about processors. And so what's coming down the pipe now, actually the devices that will probably get announced at MWC and then on from there are going to kind of have the next generation of the chipsets in a, in a way that's sort of a big step rather than the little step, if you see what I mean. And so it wasn't, you know, those differences, that spec 
didn't seem to matter. And certainly, as has always been the case with uh, Windows Phone and continuing to Windows 10 Mobile, the processor speed doesn't have a big impact on a lot of the day-to-day operations. Now, there are some things where you'll notice difference, but honestly, between these two devices, I think you have to go back to something like the Snapdragon 210 on the 550 and on on some of the rumoured upcoming devices, well, we understand, to actually see, you know, a a big noticeable difference. Uh, So that on-paper thing that's going to impress you maybe doesn't after all. I have to admit, I hadn't really noticed much difference uh, in the audio and the speakers, but I can well believe that is the case, and it can even be down to not just the components, but the way the speaker is positioned in the device itself and kind of the output channel for the sound. Now, I've seen what ostensibly are identical components sound very different just because of the back you put on it, um, and I've seen some people suggest that actually using a slightly different back on the 950, the, kind of the custom ones that are now coming onto the market, can actually make a difference. And certainly, I do remember, I think it was one of the early uh, Windows phone devices, something like, I want to say it's the uh, 720, but it might be also applying to an older Symbian device to see somewhere they kind of redesigned the back of the device to have a little bit more cut out. And so there was a better audio output channel and that makes a difference. So just, just to say that those small, seemingly very insignificant differences can make quite a substantial impact on the experience. And you're saying, because you listen to uh, podcasts on speakerphone, I guess it's not something that everyone does. I'm more often listening on a set of headphones with, for the audio from, from my smartphones. You know, that can really impact the experience of your device. But biggest thing for me is is still the size. Um, I don't have massive hands, and so I I find the 950XL can be a bit uncomfortable to kind of do one-handed operations with. And I'm, I've been using the 820 for so long that I actually really like that size of device. I mean, I find the same thing, to be fair, between something like the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus or kind of the Nexus 5 and the Nexus 6. I would, in general plump for the smaller device just because i i guess i've been around long enough that actually the phablet thing the extra screens i've never really appealed because i wasn't maybe doing that much uh video on it which seemed to be a big motivator for a lot of people and you know my eyesight's still good enough that <laughs> there isn't a desire to have that bigger screen and so i think the 950 for me is is still the pick especially when you consider the price point and um you know the 950XL, depending on how and where you'll buy it, can be from 50 to 100 pounds more expensive. Uh, you know, as the prices come down, obviously that becomes a bigger price differential in terms of the overall cost. So proportionally, it's costing more than it did at launch. And so it becomes a bigger factor for me. So I, I think the 950 does provide better overall value. There's very little to choose between the devices. And I'd say ultimately it's going to be dictated by what size of device you want. If you really are like Steve and you're on the fence, yeah, the 950 probably swings it. And uh, and for me, it's actually about the pricing more than anything else. Uh, but, I, I, you know, still haven't made up my mind. I'm sure I'm going to come back to this conversation when I find something that uh, you know, I like. But, you know, and actually I was sitting on a plane for a long period of time the other day. And actually I was watching a video that I downloaded onto the 950XL. And, it, you know, it was beautiful. It was a really great experience. Um and so, you know, if you're doing that sort of thing regularly, that might be a thing that, as I was saying with the audio, it's about the experiences that you use the particular device for. And I'm not sure we can necessarily give you a definitive answer or piece of advice on that. You need to think about your own usage patterns and what's important for you before making that kind yeah. of decision. But, uh, yeah, I, personally, yeah, the ball's definitely falling into the 950 side of the court. 
Yeah, yeah, and when you said Lumia 820, of course, about five minutes ago, you didn't, of course, mean the Lumia 830. I did, I did, so I, yes. You might, of course, been using the 820, which you do have one on your shelf, but I suspect it was the more modern. It was, it was the 830. <laughs> I'm, yes, trying to keep track of all the numbers sometimes can be tricky, especially with uh, the various devices that have been either rumoured or leaked, or the ones that have been cancelled, and actually there's been more yeah. of those recently uh, than kind of we imagined there might have been a few years ago. Uh, but yes, I'm talking about the 830, which probably still remains one of my favourite uh, Windows Phone devices. It's been very unusual in that it stayed in my pocket for a long time, despite not being kind of a, a top-end device. I mean, to be fair, it did sort of coincide with a period when I also started carrying around regularly uh, other devices, be it an Android um, or an iOS device. And so it became very much my personal device. And so kind of that appetite maybe to have the absolute latest was sated by having other devices around. But even so, it was just that combination of, you know, good value, the size, it, it, it's a, a fantastic little device. And actually, for, for people looking for a, a smartphone and then not wanting to spend the earth, actually, I still think that 730 and that 830 series uh, provide remarkably good value for money. Um, and, you know, regardless of whether you're running Windows Phone 8 or Windows 10 Mobile on that. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, with the 830, of course, you can change the back color and of course, you can change the battery. All attributes we're now finding on the 950 and 950 XL. And you can probably tell, Rafe, that I'm quite happy with the Mozo back covers because I keep trying to feature them in every possible <laughs> opportunity in articles. And I, I, you, you're looking at the photo in that, that article we've just been talking about. We'll link to it in the show notes. So I've got the 950 XL in the brown leather with the white stitching, really, really premium. And the 950 in the black, slightly coarser leather, but still very nice. Uh, do you have a favourite of those two finishes? I, I, I prefer the understated kind of uh, black leather finish because I'm not sure I like the stitching around the, the Mozo on the 950 XL. But you're right, they are both very attractive. And I have noticed you sneaking these into a fair fair number <laughs> of photos. I, I would say it's kind of the uh, fashion blog equivalent of being seen in the latest trainers or the latest bit of fashion, which, of course, we don't usually do that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it is a very attractive cover. And um, although they're relatively expensive, I do think it's one of those accessories that makes the phone feel, feel very different. And, you know, part of you goes... It's actually showing how shallow phone design is in one sense that, you know, you can make this kind of material change relatively easily. Um, and at a cost, it's not out of sight at least. And it almost feels like a different device. And, you know, Samsung were rather mocked for having their faux leather covers and things like that. But actually it does. I, I remember a lot of people did like them and we've seen LG also experiment in that space as well. Um, and honestly, you know, a bit of variation on the glass and um, metal finishes is kind of to be welcomed um, but it does also remind me that as we've said quite a few times in, on the podcast last year the conservatism of the design of the 950 and the 950xl really were quite a letdown um, it's kind of nice that there's a third party solution to it but it, it does feel like microsoft should have tried harder with the design of these devices and having spent some time with them now i'm kind of only uh, that's only been reconfirmed in my mind you know a certain amount that you're willing to let go because it was a new device and it was all shiny and new and exciting. But really, you know, certainly compared to the history that Nokia had in that space of being, you know, doing something different, you know, we forget now with the things like the N9 and the Lumia 800, that polycarbonate shell and that monobody was really quite a new idea. It's, it's since been much more widely adopted. But even things like the 730, you know, which felt like a unibody device, despite the fact everything came off the back, you know, that was iterated several times. And then 950, 950XL, you know, they're functional, but they didn't really feel like they broke new ground, which 
a lot of the time it felt it felt like the Nokia design teams in particular had done in the past. Um, maybe being too harsh on that, but it's certainly a, a sentiment I've heard elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Talking of devices briefly, um, the, the Lumia 650 has been widely leaked. Um, various sites de- declaring it's going to be announced on the 1st of February and then the 8th of February, and it's now been bumped apparently to the 15th of February, which is next Monday as we record this, it, which sounds about right, a soft launch before MWC. It's basically a Snapdragon 210 chipset, 5-inch uh, screen. But the interesting thing is it's kind of premium material. In other words, they've they've gone after the same market, I would argue, Rafe, almost as the people like um, the Honor, latest Honor devices in the Android world in the UK. I've been playing here with the Honor 5X, and it's a relatively low-end chipset internals, but the, the feel of the device is absolutely premium. If you handed someone one of these devices uh, with the metal chassis, you'd instantly think, well, we're talking to Two three hundred plus, and yet the six fifty Lumia six fifty is going to come in at around about I'm guessing about one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty in the UK. So, do you think that next week is a, a likely timescale? And do you think I've got the assessment about right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the same rumours. I don't have the inside track on this one. Uh, you know, I guess they're somewhat surprised that they wouldn't save it for MWC. Although going up against what will presume to be <laughs> new flagship <laughs> phones from the likes of LG, Samsung, and everyone yeah. else, you know, it'd kind of get lost in the shuffle. So coming out a week beforehand is kind of a, a sensible move, and everyone's still going to go and see it in, in Barcelona anyway. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that there has been this kind of emphasis on trying to make the what I'd describe as mid-tier or even low-end phones stand out. But you know, before there was really no no room for wiggle, if you like, because all the effort was in getting the component cost down. But actually now that that's got so commoditized in one sense, actually there's a bit of room to spend some more attention and cost on the, the material itself. And I saw the uh, Honor 5X, which you're describing at CES um, at the beginning of the year, and I was really quite impressed by it as a, a piece of design. You know, the specifications are, are nothing to write home about, but as we've been sort of talking quite a bit about recently, and we've been talking about it on the 361 podcast, I know you've been talking about it on the phone show as well, there's actually a lot to be said for going for a mid-tier device that you might keep for 18 months and two years and then replacing because you know that added thing that you get with a high-end device is is just not not quite there anymore uh, the differentiation between a mid-tier and a high-end device or even low-end is miles away from it was you know a few years ago where you really felt like you were getting something extra and kind of the last domain of that was really a materials and i'm not saying that these phones that cost 150 to 250 pounds quite match up to the the highest end materials but even something i would say like the 730 and the 830 were early port ends of this you know we kind of saw that what felt like you know they were described as mid-tier flagships and you know it wasn't really about the specs it was actually about the feel of the devices and you know the fact that they in one sense felt better than the 950 950 xl that came along later was 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 telling so it'd be really interesting to see how the 650 is positioned what it's actually like when i get it in my hand what it's like in person but i wouldn't be at all surprised to you know if it does have that kind of more premium sense materials or, or frankly even if it kind of replicates the 950 950 xl experience you know in terms of that solidity no squeaks or creaks which you always used to get on these cheaper devices um I, you know, I think this plays into part of a wider story as well that we talked about on the last 361 podcast that was uh, published just a few days ago as we're recording this, when we kind of jokingly said that we're now post-hardware. And it was was sent with a pinch of salt to sort of slightly wind people up. But actually, there's an element of truth to this in that uh, the things that tend to matter that make your phone stand out are less about the traditional hardware specifications and become about the software that's sitting on the phone 
And even now, the material thing is is not quite what it used to be. And it's phones like the 5X you referred to, but also some of LG's more recent efforts and what uh, kind of the companies like Xiaomi have been doing, producing, you know, maybe not quite the same definition, the, the fully thought out thing. But um, for most people, they feel like very high-end premium devices. And, and, and that's what matters. I don't think they quite have that X factor that, kind of flows from really really high class design when everything just fits together and i think that's where apple is still a standout htc and certainly um uh, nokia and microsoft in in the past have been very strong on because they've had very strong visual identities of their own um honor for example i think if you put a lineup of their device they all feel quite different um, whereas that kind of identity is is very apparent, obviously in the iPhone line. Samsung have been getting much better this recently. If you look at the S5 to S6 and then the Edge versions, and also some of the lower down there portfolio as well. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. So I, I think your assessment of the 650, given that we're talking about something that's been leaked, which hasn't been officially announced yet, that we've only really seen pictures of, so it's a bit difficult to judge materials and kind of feel in the hand. Uh, yeah, I, I th- think you're spot on. I mean, do you feel that, you know, phone hardware has, it hasn't, you know, saying we're kind of post hardware was tongue in cheek, but do you feel that it's become far less important? And so there's kind of less excitement about a new device, or at least, you know, that, that kind of special class of high end devices isn't as strong as it once was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I've been recommending, as you know, as you said on the various podcasts, devices somewhere in the, I would say 150 to 250 pound range. They really are the best bang for buck. Uh, and you can also, of course, don't forget, get last year's flagships, uh, which have now come down, especially if they're made by LG or Samsung, for a couple of hundred pounds less. That so they're also coming down to that range. And one of the bargains of the year, just away from Windows Phone for a moment, is the LG G4, which is an astonishing camera and an astonishing specification. You can now get that brand new for about 230 pounds, which, kind of, which puts the entire industry in, in, into some kind of context, really. And uh, we also had rumors of a Lumia A. Uh, 850 and uh, that was supposed to have been cancelled but we've now seen so many leaks of people making cases for this lumia 850 some people have been calling it the 650 xl so there, there's definitely some confusion and there is as they say there's no smoke without fire but my gut feel rafe is that they w- we won't see this soft launch next week we won't see it at mwc i think this is something that will be soft launch sometime around the april may time frame um, and certainly obviously with windows 10 mobile with whatever the uh, final re- release build is on board does that sound about right well i mean your guess is as good as mine i'm i'm just going to um give our lesson, listeners uh, an alternative expert you actually hinted at it with the 650xl wouldn't be that unlikely given what we see, saw with the 640 and the 640xl and then the 950 950xl for microsoft to continue that pattern and give you two choices of phone sizes and it would actually fit in with what them, uh, they said about kind of having three classes of device um it does does feel like the 650 is a bit underspecified to kind of take the middle slot compared to something like say the 550 and obviously there is a gap in the the naming convention there i mean i would love to see an upgrade to the 830 you know running something a little bit more meaty than the snapdragon 210 which is rumored for the uh the 650 but i guess we're just going to have to wait and see i mean i have talked to a couple of people and tried to get some inside information on this but uh the information has been conflicting um, and actually, the, the sources that sometimes go through, like operators, don't always have quite the same insight they they did as a few years ago. And that's also partly a reflection that kind of Microsoft doesn't have this big program of phones anymore. And so the number of people who are able to give you accurate information has, has kind of gone down. There's actually much more of a concentration in the US. But uh, a couple of people I've talked to absolutely said that that you know the kind of 850 
um, and they didn't refer to it as such. It had a code name, had kind of been cancelled. But you're right, there has been a surprising number of things have kind of appeared, whether it's components from it. So I, you know, and the cancellation news was way back. I would I'd like to say sometime last October, maybe even as far back as September. Yeah. So the fact that these are now surfacing now it, it really surprises me. Um, it, it could be that they date date from them, but that seems unlikely given it's things like screen protectors and every, everything else. So it, it, it's still possible. I guess the uh, all, all we can say is we'll report on it when it's official and when we, we find out about it. And if here hear anything solid in the meantime, we're going to report it on the podcast. I mean, um, yeah, conflicting reports. Uh, I would say I suspect the 850 itself that we think of in terms of an upgrade from the 830 is cancelled, is still cancelled. And I think what's being leaked as kind of 850 parts might in fact be a variant of the 650 and it's kind of a bigger screen version. And yeah, the 650XL may would be the one that's most logical to fit there. Um, and it would be strange for them to announce them separately, but you, you never know. Um, and so if they do, yes, obviously I think your guess of April is as good as any. If I was, if I was a betting man, I, I would say we're going to see the 650 and the 650XL sometime next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, what to finish off with? I have some breaking news, Rafe. Windows Phone's yes. dead, um, apparently, according to all the blocks <laughs> blocks around the tech world. Um, there are some dumb stats coming out about um, the the sales of Lumias in the last quarter, and it's all rather under underrepresenting reality. We knew that this is going to be a terrible quarter for Lumia sales. Windows uh, Ten Mobile, as it now is, um, is is really in the, absolutely in the middle of the transition from eight point one to Windows Ten Mobile. No one quite knows whether they're coming or going. The nine fifty and nine fifty XL weren't really in the market long enough in the last quarter to make any kind of dent. And I still don't think Microsoft is making that man, many of them or pushing it that hard. I think they're waiting for the software to be fully stable. So I just fully suspect, as Microsoft said in their earnings call, the quarter one twenty sixteen will also be quite bad if you just look at the raw numbers. But the point I, my contention in a long editorial I wrote, um, analyzing and quoting Paul Thorot, um, titled this long, slow decline. Well, yes, no, and there's a, there's a vision behind it all. I was pointing out that, yes, of course, Windows Phone's dead. It's being subsumed, being subsumed into Windows 10, which is a part of a huge ecosystem. By the end of this year, there will be in the region of half a billion, I'll repeat that, half a billion, Windows 10 running computers in the world. Some will be desktops, laptops, tablets, hybrids, phones, um, Xbox devices, uh, HoloLens. Goodness knows, maybe that'll be out by then. And the, the phone is an integral part of it. More and more people are saying now that the phone is the the center of their computing experience. That it's the, the, the most important screen in their lives. And there's absolutely no way, there's zero chance in my, in my view of the world that Microsoft can just say, that's it, we're not doing Windows 10 mobile on phones anymore because it, it, they don't really care if it, it sells a million or two million or five million and not the 50 or 500 million that Samsung might be selling. They just, they have to have skin in the game. They have to say, our OS, Windows 10, scales down to all of these form factors, including the phone. If you want a smartphone running Windows 10, we have it, and it runs very well, and here it is. And that was my take, really. Half a billion Windows 10 computers. I reckon that's a big enough ecosystem, and Microsoft has got enough motivation there to keep the phones going. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, this, because, I mean, this debate has actually effectively been running since last July. I mean, I think it was a big deal for a lot of people that Paul Thur um, posted this editorial because obviously he's well known as someone who's been in the Microsoft community and an enthusiastic endorser of what Microsoft has done over the years. 
so that's why it kind of generated quite a few waves. And there's also been editorials on The Verge and, and Gadget. And I think the financial results that came out recently, which I think saw something like a 50% decline in revenue uh, for the kind of mobile and then for the shipments as well. I mean, all of that was fairly predictable given uh, what uh, Saturn Nadella said in the summer about switching away from it kind of being a complete product portfolio to sort of being more focused in just a few areas and talked about targeting three segments essentially you know at that point microsoft had kind of run up the white flag in terms of it was going to be a competitor in the mainstream phone space and in the app ecosystem space as far as we traditionally see it but as you quite rightly say uh, for microsoft it's actually part of a bigger game with windows 10 I mean, the other thing I would say here is it's very easy to be negative on Microsoft and say that Windows is effectively a dead product. And in a, in a sense, it is, you know, Microsoft is now maintaining Windows into the future. And, you know, the shape of computing will look very different in 20 years. And, you know, what role Windows will play in that? It, it certainly seems it will be diminished. Um, and we talk about cloud first and mobile first and all of those changes. I mean, I, I agree with all of that, and actually, I think it's worth keeping in mind. But at the same time, the the numbers that Steve was talking about there still are quite mind-boggling. And you know, I think there's a lot of companies that would be, love to be running a dead business or a dead business unit that was as big and as influential as Windows. Now, within that, the mobile part uh, I think is very small. But again, I think you're right to say, Steve, that Microsoft kind of wants skin in the game because it understands that mobile. Uh, in particular, has both a hardware and a software component, and it needs to understand both if it's to play effectively in that space. And uh, I, I think it's absolutely right to say that Microsoft won't be looking to be a pure, you know, vertical player with the platform integration, the device, and the software. It's going to operate in the Android and iOS space. And all the recent acquisitions, you know, uh, Sunrise and uh, a company, and some of those, you know, for all those PIM applications bought and just bought. Um, uh, Swift key this week in terms of an AI predictive keyboard. Uh, all of those are kind of important assets for the software space, and it's clearly going to make those available cross-platform, and that's what it's been doing with Outlook and what it's been doing with Office. But to kind of understand some how some of that works, um, I think it's important for it to continue to have Windows 10 Mobile, and we've talked about what effort is required to continue doing that versus, you know, and I think that's why it's interesting going to Windows 10 where there's certainly a lot more shared code and a common effort with Windows 10 on the desktop than if you're running a completely standalone and separate um, operating system, which is what Windows Phone was certainly in its early incarnation. So there is more nuance to this argument, you know, it, than I think most of the commentators seem to because it's very easy to write an article about uh, Windows 10 and Microsoft has no get game in mobile now. Um, but I think you have to from see it from both sides. And equally, you know, as a someone who really likes Windows Phone as used as my personal device, I recognize that it's not what it once was. Um, I'm still using it as my personal device, but as I've said several times, I'm also using other devices. Um, but, you know, there seems to be a need when people write about it to kind of write it off. And there's kind of this unsaid thing is you're stupid for using it which does sort of irritate me um so you know for high-end smartphone users yeah I, I think it probably is hard to recommend um windows 10 mobile or a new device but there are still a lot of people who will get on with it just fine who don't want to buy an iphone who find android overcomplicated, and actually for them it, it can still be a very good recommendation and so i think sometimes it's necessary to look beyond your own perspective to understand what's going to be best for the person concerned you know 
you said, I think, in a comment thread on on this uh, feature editorial that you wrote, that people who can afford an iPhone are going to get it. The Android devices have become a lot more attractive in the mid-tier, um, but there is still a reason why you might want to go for a slightly simpler experience, you know, particularly if you're not quite so uh, tech literate. So it, I think that nuance gets missed when people just talk about the high end of the market, which is what tends to happen in these kind of editorials. And you know, there's always going to be continuing skirmishes around the importance of thing like continuum and actually i think that's a space that microsoft is just looking to learn more about and it's absolute logical one to take advantage of its assets um but you know the wider perspective on you know is microsoft dead in mobile absolutely not they're they're you know going to be playing this cross-platform game and it becomes much more about the experience and what i think is interesting is i think both apple and google will increasingly come to that realization or kind of already have and you know you see google making its products available on ios and actually spending a lot more attention on that and it's not just apps it's also the things that are going to happen outside of apps and that's obviously a big new trend going forward so i'm you know thinking things like google now appearing on ios um, and that kind of other services on the phone it's it is those kind of uh, assistants and microsoft is obviously doing that with putting cortana on ios and android as well um, Apple hasn't made many moves in that direction, but they're now talking about starting to do that. Apple Music, kind of an early example of that. And so I actually think there's going to be much more of a fight to sort of control that, you know, that services will become an important thing for all three of these companies. And I think Facebook gets into that fight as well, along with Amazon. Will Apple and Google have an advantage because they control the platform? Yes, absolutely. Will it be the only thing that matters? No, because, you know, there will be a cloud component to this. And I think increasingly, you know, there'll, there'll be a whole continuum or spectrum of devices. If you think about smartphones have been very insular, very isolated, just one part of it. So they've kind of lent themselves to vertically integrated ecosystem. But as you expect it to appear, and I kind of say this somewhat facetiously, on your fridge or, you know, on in your car, on your TV, does the exact platform it's running on matter? Actually, what's probably going to be more important is having a consistent and seamless experience. You know, the platform providers will have an advantage there, but you know, the assumption that mobile will be all dominant as that platform provider, I, I'm not so sure about. Um, and I think this fight is far from over. And that's actually what I've learned by following mobile over the last 15 years is that making the assumption that people can't fall or go away is, is wrong. And, you know, there are, of course, some constants, you know, actually you think about things like the operators and the, there's still text messaging, there's still phone calls, but even those get transmuted in that, you know, operators change their tactics, you know, SMS has been replaced by over-the-top messaging. I think you can start thinking about the same experiences and the kind of the software layer in the same way, particularly as I say, as we move to what I feel is a continuum of devices, because people will expect to interact with these services across multiple touch points. You know, we've thought very much about desktop and mobile world, but what happens when it's when it's broader than that and i absolutely believe we will move there um and so that's the kind of space that i'm sure all the big companies are are thinking about so that's a very long-winded and sort of slightly uh, rambling off the topic of you know uh, microsoft and windows phone being dead um i i think if you think about windows phone as an app ecosystem platform yes i think there's no doubt that it's way way behind android and ios and I would even be willing to say that it's sort of 
it's dead in the sense that it's not going to compete in that way. But I'm not sure that necessarily matters. And there are, for a lot of people, it's going to be perfectly adequate in its current form. And I think you're absolutely right to say that Microsoft won't get out of that space. So there will be another high-end device, and I'm sure they're going to put out low-end devices because that will match their continuum experience for the enterprise world, for example. That was kind of nicely demonstrated by a release from Salesforce this week with their application that kind of, I think it's Salesforce Lightning for continuum. Yeah. Um, but that's part of a wider story. And so that's why I think it, it it's relevant. Um, you know, if you're a consumer listening to this and going, what, what on earth is it going on about? You know, your your Windows phone device and your Windows 10 mobile device still works perfectly well, and it's probably going to serve you perfectly well in the future. Uh, but I think you'll be much less concerned in the future about it being a, a Windows or an Android or an iOS device, and you'll be much more concerned about how it connects with the experiences that you're familiar with. And Apple and Google are, will be big players in that. Don't get me wrong. It's not that they're going to disappear. But, you know, just as for some people, how Facebook works on their phone is probably the most important factor or you know, WhatsApp for staying in touch in family. I think we can also think about that for things like Amazon and for all of those experiences that then go into you know, messaging apps. And actually, that that's another part of this, you know, this continuum. It's not just about apps. It's about how you flip between web and messaging and apps and notifications and voice and virtual assistants all of those are going to uh, have a play and it, it's great news because actually that's how you get away from it being a techie thing and you know, that, that technology should be invisible so yeah um i, I kind of got a bit off track there didn't i steve I thought that was remarkably eloquent, considering it was all off the off the cuff. Um, one thing I would like to come back to, in a, perhaps in the next podcast before MWC, um, you've got the Continuum system with. The, I reviewed the wireless um, wireless adapter during the week, so do go and, do go and look at that review if you're listening to this as an alternative to the Display Dock, which I've also got here. Um, so we we got this way of your phone becoming your entire sort of computing experience that kind of carries car stays with you and you can plug it into any screen and i would like to come back to this perhaps in the next podcast because we've seen things like remix os in the android world we've seen the ipad pro of course and the surface hybrids from microsoft there's all sorts of different ways of carrying a device with you that can convert into multiple form factors so maybe we can take that as the topic for the next podcast mm -hmm. and I, I shall sort of draw a line under my contribution here we're at 40 minutes or so so i'll say goodbye and i'll let rafe uh, end the podcast yeah so that's a great topic to get on to next time it actually ties exactly into what i was saying that kind of blurring of lines that kind of whole spectrum of device and, and the way it works it is only going to continue and we're just at the beginning of that um we're going to obviously keep talking about uh windows 10 mobile windows phone devices on this podcast and on the site um and i think you know in the future we'll probably broaden out the the topics a little bit um and and yes you know just as i think we said back in july august last year it kind of was a, a an endpoint with transition to something new but also we have the luxury of talking about it because it's an, an interesting topic and uh we'll we'll continue to do that so don't kind of worry about us, us going anywhere but i think we kind of might have a, a broader remit in the future um and you know all those editorials are great and we'd love to hear your comments on this as well so thanks as ever for listening and please tune in next time